0: says, but you were concerned for me before, but you lacked opportunity. By the way, I did some study in that, and uh, Paul's basically been almost ten years away from this church at Philippi, and it's had uh, eight to ten years to grow, and in that time, they've only reached out to him that one time with Epaphroditus, and it was very recent, so it took them ten years to come and check on him and make sure he was okay when they found out he was in jail in Rome. But he says, not that I speak from want, verse 11, for I have learned... To be content in whatever circumstances. We preached all through this last week. I know how to get along with humble means. I know also how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ. In Christ. Better translation. Who strengthens me. Now. The next verse for today. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Once again, he goes, oh, and by the way, thanks. Thanks for the help. I was going through some affliction. Now, he's content in affliction. Get that. His contentment that he just explained and we talked about in detail last week. He's fully satisfied while he's in affliction, verse 14. And you yourselves also know, Philippians... That the first preaching of the gospel after I departed from Macedonia, the church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but no church did, but you alone. For even in uh, Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit, which increases on your accounts. One of the great places again where Paul goes, Hey, thanks for sending it. By the way, I wasn't seeking it, and you didn't have to send it. And I'm not excited that I got it excited that God's going to bless you for giving it. That's how offerings work, by the way. When you offer things up to the Lord, you receive the blessings. We'll see that very clear in the Scriptures. And we're not just talking about finances today, so if you're worried about all this um, talk Paul has about gifts and finances, it's going to go way bigger than that here any second now. Um, He says, verse 18, but I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So there's our good buddy from chapter 2, Epaphroditus. And uh, here's here's Paul mentioning, hey, the gift he sent. Remember, Epaphroditus got there and got real sick and almost died helping Paul while he was in jail in Rome. And then Paul sent him back. Verse 19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father, uh, be glory forever, amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you. Listen to this. Especially those of Caesar's household. Paul's in prison in Rome, right up against the, the palace itself in the jail he's in. And in his confinement, remember they don't have uh, bracelets around ankles, they chain guards to him. He's been able to meet all these servants and all these people and lead a whole bunch of the, the servants of Caesar, Caesar's household, to Jesus. And he says, hey, they all greet you all back there. Um, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Close of the letter. So the context of this 419 that I want to focus on today, which is our promise, we said chapter 4, verse 1, we're supposed to stand uh, firmly, then we're supposed to stand contently, uh, and then we're supposed to stand purely, we studied that, and stand peacefully. This last section is we're supposed to stand on the promises. So we're standing on the promises, and the context of this promise is in contentment. The context is in contentment. So let's look at the promise in 419. just going to grab four truths from it very quickly. won't be complicated, by the way. Uh, there's no rocket science to this theology today. I'm hoping you know everything I'm going to tell you. But if that's true, the end is going to be challenging for you. So, number one, Paul says, My God shall supply all your needs. My God shall supply all your needs. Now here's the point. To be truly content, you have to know for certain that God has a promise, He's a promise-keeping God. He can and will supply Bible says all of your needs. To be really content, like we talked about last week. We've got a lot of comments. A lot of you uh, said how, how much last week helped you and challenged you and all that, and I appreciate that. But to apply that, to get that, this next verse has to fit in there somewhere, and this truth has to be there. you got to know that God's got your back. And He's going to provide everything you need. He's going to take care of you. We're going to look at a bunch of scriptures that help you see that today. And it starts with truth number one, that God is a personal God. A personal God. He intends for us to have a personal relationship with Him, not a distant one. Well, Pastor Dan, how can you prove that? Because for most people that you meet on these college campuses, when you walk around with all these young, uh, brilliant minds on college campuses that are playing their video games and hanging out uh, you know, with their... Thumbs in the text world and all that. When you hang out with all of them, they're going, "Hey, God's very distant to me. I never see him. I, never, I don't know anything about him. You know, and he hasn't been, he hasn't been part of my life at all." Well, how do you deal with that? You just take them to truth because they're not basing anything on truth. They're just trying to emotionally understand or somehow physiologically understand God when it when the Bible actually says God did visit with us, didn't didn't he? Didn't God visit with us at one time? It seems like I remember this story. We sort of relive it once a year at Christmas time. Where He left heaven. And He came to earth to pay for our sins. To die on the cross and pay for our sins. God intends for us to have this personal relationship. And all through history, uh, God is reaching towards man for a closer relationship. When God created Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 and put them in the garden. You remember... Right after Adam and Eve did the really stupid deal of sinning against God and uh, clothed themselves in the original mossy oak and got up in the bush and all that. If you remember all that? Do you remember what God was planning on doing with them that afternoon? What were they going to do? Yeah, he was going to talk and walk with them. He just going to walk through the cool of the garden and talk to them because he's a personal God. He's relational. And he was going to walk with them. I believe one day when we get Free from the bonds of sin that have cursed our earth, and we get back to to heaven as God intends, and I believe we'll walk and talk with God personally. So, how's he going to do that, right? I don't know. I'm not God, but I know He does, and I know He had a plan for that all along, and He planned on having a personal relationship with everybody. When you follow God, even in Exodus, where Israel, where the people of God have sinned so badly they're in captivity in Egypt, and they're living in this terrible condition, God actually loves them enough to send a personal leader to lead them out, to get them to a place he calls the promised land, and to guide them to that promised land. When you get to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is telling the people of Israel who have been very rebellious, very, 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 very rebellious, hey, not obedient people at all, rebellious people, Isaiah is saying, hey, God's going to send a redeemer. He's going to come as a child. He's going to be born in Bethlehem and He is going to rescue and save you. He's coming to rescue you from the mess that you've made by sinning against Him even though you're still sinning against Him. That's a personal God. That's not a distant God. And then when you read the Gospels, Jesus Himself literally comes to earth born of a virgin and walks among us and teaches us a ton of things through His stories, miracles, and teachings. And then ultimately, what does He do? He goes to the cross and pays for his sins. Nope, he was sinless. Nope, nope, nope. He paid for your personal sins. All the sins I've ever sinned since I was born to relate it and in Dallas-Givens, uh, that long years ago, 1960 December day, long ago, all the sins I've sinned from there till now, and all the sins I'm going to sin before Jesus calls me home to be with Him and perfects me, all of those were paid for on the cross by Jesus personally. He's a personal God. God's not a distant God. He's a personal God. He sacrificed His life to pay for us. So when Paul says, "My God shall supply all your needs," he's not going, you know, God, God, you know, the big God in the sky, the big G, all that, you know, you know, the man upstairs and all that stuff. It's like, no, He's personal to Paul. In jail, two years in Rome, chained to a guard, in jail, uncertain future. Paul goes, He's mine belongs to me. He has a personal relationship with me, which is why Paul can be content. So if you want that contentment, you got to grab this truth and say, I know God's personal. He's not distant. I know He's personal. Number two, God is a generous God, because my God shall supply. He shall supply all your needs. And the word means, the word supply there means, to the brim literally the picture of when they used to pour a cup and spill it because you pour too much in. You ever pour something in a cup and you're like, oh, let it run over and it over into, spills over onto the table? That's this word that God will supply. Now, I'm willing to bet this week, which will be in your homework, by the way, when you get to the carryouts in a little bit, I'm willing to bet you can look in your life and figure out where God has overflowed your life, where you've seen way more blessings than you should have seen. You've been given way more goodness, way more kindness, way more love than you deserve. I'm willing to bet if you just do the research, you would, you would agree with Paul that God has generously supplied, um, filled the cup with blessings. Let me just run through a bunch of scriptures with you. I'm going to read them. We're a Bible church, so we really get into our Thompson Chain Bible, by the way. So, I so, <laughs> love Thompson Chain Bible. I got one when I was. Uh, saved here my first year under David J. Jones, founding pastor. Um, he was a Thompson Chain guy. Loved the Thompson Chain Bible. And uh, so when I went to Bible college, I got me a Thompson Chain. My original one was King James. Now I'm a New American Standard guy. But uh, they're all good. Thompson Chain Bibles are excellent study Bibles. If you need a good study Bible, highly recommend them. But here in, in tr- the truth number two says God's generous. And I'm just going to run through a bunch of the verses. Psalm 104, verse 24. O Lord, how many are your works! In wisdom you've made all things. The earth is full of your possessions. Your closets and your home, your storage units and your homes are full of God's possessions. He has abundantly blessed you with all these great works. Psalm 65, verse 9, You care for the land and you water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water. Provide people with grain. For so you have ordained it. How many of you ate a really good meal this week? How many ate a really good meal yesterday? Good. So you, you've all, you're you all eating. You know why? Because God waters things. Because He takes care of vegetables and fruits and animals for you. So that you can eat them. He's provided all of that. He says, verse 10, You drenched its furrows and leveled its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless the crops. You crowned... The year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. By the way, verse 10, it says you soften it. Let me just read it one more time. Verse 10 says you soften it, talking about the waters, uh, with showers and bless its crops. There's a great devotional. If, you, if some of you want to get this, it's a great science devotional for your kids, by the way, those of you who are homeschooling. Uh, just ask me and I'll grab a copy of it out of my office and make photocopies of it. But John Piper does a thing where he explains through science how millions of pounds of water get suspended in the air. It's where cloud is. Millions of pounds of water suspended in the air. Does that make any sense to you all? That a million pounds of water hanging over your head, wouldn't it? I mean, it wouldn't grab you? Yes, it <laughs> would actually. But it only comes down in little droplets to water. You know, other than when you have the grape floods. you have these little droplets that come down and take care of plants and they don't break the stalks off of the... The wheat, when God provides the rain, He knows just how to provide it. It's really incredible. Incredible provision of God. Jeremiah chapter 31 says, "...they will come and shout for joy at the height of Zion, and they will be radiant over the bounty of the Lord, over the grains of the new wine and the oil, and over the young flocks of the herd, and their life will be like watered gardens. They will never languish again. Then the virgin will rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old men together... Uh, for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and give them joy for their sorrows. I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance and my people will be satisfied, that's the word content by the way, with my goodness. Because I'm a good God. And I satisfy people. Proverbs chapter 3. This one has a condition. All of this is conditional by the way. Your contentment and these promises, this promise of Psalm of uh, Philippians 4:19, He'll provide all your needs, is conditional on, just like this Proverbs 3 is. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce. So, give back to the Lord that which you have from Him. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. There's a condition and a promise. Honor the Lord, give Him stuff and blessings, and then He'll provide and give for you so that your cup overflows. Malachi chapter 3, probably the strongest way you'll ever find it worded in the scriptures itself uh, from the prophet Malachi. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now on this. I'm just going to pause for a second and tell you. Um, it sounds like all these scriptures are about you know, bring your money to the Lord, bring your money to the Lord, bring your money to the Lord. It's your household. your household. It's everything not just money. So I'm, not, I'm going to go further than what uh, people like to go. Well, I'm tired of that preacher preaching about money. Okay, well, First of all, we hardly ever do that. And I'm not preaching about money. I'm talking about everything you have. It actually says everything. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse so there may be food in your house and test me on this. I will open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Uh, the, the prophet Malachi is saying if you will offer back up to God all that you have, He will offer all that He has back. Who, would want tra- who wouldn't want that deal, right? Who wouldn't want that deal? John 3.16 God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God is a generous, generous, generous giver. He gave His only Son so that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. He gave us His Son to pay for our sins. Ephesians chapter 1. Beautiful scripture. Ephesians 1. In Him, Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, listen to this, which He lavished on us. Paul says to the Ephesian church, God lavished. It's a word that you just don't use very often, is it? God lavished. His grace upon us. And He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intentions. I've asked you many times to think about how in the world you figured out how to ask God into your heart. How'd you just figure that out? You're just that smart. You're really that spiritually minded, that good. I was a kid in school. I was like in the second grade. You know, I'm picking my nose on the front row of a chapel. You know, I'm not really smart. I'm not really at work, work life out at that time. I didn't understand all of eternity and all of that stuff. I just knew that God was calling me. And at that moment I made a choice that you know, God has honored all my life to ask Him into my heart and to trust Him as Lord and Savior. He lavished His grace upon us. Lavished His grace upon us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Instruct to those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. But on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. It's not about money. It's, it's Don't get lost in the thing about money is what Paul's telling Timothy. God gives us all things to enjoy. Families. I have been on these mission fields. And I know there's people in the room with me that have traveled with me to some of these mission fields. I've been on these mission fields where people were extremely destitute. I remember being in the poorest country in Europe. In Poland. Um, And I remember my struggle. this was my first overseas mission trip. Uh, I was a leader of a mission uh, team that I had no idea what I was doing. I had missionaries kind of guiding us it. And we we went into Poland. They said, hey, this is the poorest country in Europe. And I mean, it was pitifully poor. Those of you that have been to uh, Romania or even in the Dominican, you know, when you're in a very poor country, American money is very valuable. Polish money, a dollar was like you know, 100000 of one dollars is like 100000 of their currency. There's one of those deals where you go, you know, and I remember trying to buy a dress for my wife. That was really entertaining, by the way. I don't speak the language. I'm standing in a dress shop on the corner going, man, she would love this dress. I don't know what size. And, of course, the sizes are in European information, not American. So even if I knew the size, I wouldn't know. So I'm trying to find a woman in the store that looks like her, you know, that's shaped like my wife, and going, hmm. But I, but I also remember being overwhelmed with how little everybody had. The people we stayed with, we stayed with a I stayed in the pastor's home for a couple of days, pouring concrete there at the seminary they were working on. And uh, I remember just how little he had. Everything. Uh, he had very little furniture, and very little food, and uh, everything was hard for them because they were the poorest country. And he just had very little. But I remember how happy they were. I remember thinking as an American, this was really stupid, I remember thinking as an American, man, if we could just get them a, you know, if they just had shovels, we were working with stuff that was called shovels, but they weren't like shovels at all. If they could just get a real wheelbarrow. They didn't have wheelbarrow. They had these carts they had built out of wood with handles on both sides. It like something you see in, the, in, a, in a book on, on Egypt, early Egypt. They would carry, this, we would shovel this dirt into this box, wooden box, that had handles on it, two, you know, two guys would carry the box and go dump it somewhere. I anything with wheels on it? How far back in the, you know, in the roaring 20s here we go? And we were. It was like being in the Depression years. But in my head I was like really frustrated with their lack of stuff. And God had to bring me to a very humble place to go. They don't need stuff. I didn't send you to Europe to talk to them about stuff. And that's all I could think about was how much stuff they were missing. They actually needed Jesus. And the people we were talking with, some were strong Christians, but they sent us out to these cultures where we just to of people who had no idea. They'd never heard the name of Jesus. So they, they didn't need to know how to they didn't need electronic equipment or all the fancy stuff. We were coming up with computers in the 1990s. They didn't need any of that stuff. But I was thinking, man, if they just had one good computer in this office, it'd be great. No. They needed Jesus. And so we're not talking about stuff here. And Paul tells Timothy, don't get your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but look who supplies all things? Those people were the Christians there were incredibly content and happy with very very little stuff. And we've been in huts and villages and 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 in homes with people who had literally that their all their possessions would fit in a box, a box, and they were happy they could be without Jesus. So contentment and this this agreeing with this promise that God is a generous God. Comes with not with stuff like we talked about last week. Truth number three, you got to really get this in your head, and this is a, this is a test, this is a really strong test for believers today. God is aware of your needs, literally all your needs. All your needs. Now, if you keep talk, thinking about money, you can get all lost in this verse, but Paul's not just talking about money, he's talking about all of your needs. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or chapter 10, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says that with every temptation you face, God makes a way of escape. With every temptation you face, that has to do with money, some of it, maybe. But I have a lot of temptation, it has nothing to do with money, All right? I just want to yell at And won't pay attention to the road. I just want to yell at him, you know, and get all freaked out. That's it's tempting. You know, lose my cool at that moment. With every temptation that I face this week, every single one of them, God makes a way of escape. Do you think he knows my needs? Absolutely. Do you think he knows where I'm going to be tempted? Absolutely. Do you think he's ahead of the game? He's way ahead. He knows how I'm going to be tempted this week. He knows the, the phone calls I'm going to get that may bring a, a tone of depression or anxiety or worry into my life. He knows all of that. And he's ahead of the game. And Darlene went for her test this last week. He sent a guy in a wheelchair. Old man in a wheelchair to be right in front of her. Only two people in the room, by the way. But right there in front of her, said old man just to tell her jokes while she's waiting to get her, her test run. To, to let her know. God said, hey, I know your needs today. I know your needs. Right? So she'll tell you those jokes later. They're not good for here, but she'll tell you those jokes. They're good. They're really good jokes. So but here's the deal. With every temptation, God makes a way of escape. It means he knows all of your needs. Matthew 6.32. Matthew 6.32. Has this phrase in it that's incredible. It says, Don't worry about tomorrow. I said that to you a hundred million times it seems like in this book but probably just over a hundred but it seems like a hundred million but this is the truth Paul's trying to get across and it's why Paul's content it's why Paul's not anxious chapter four verse six it's why Paul's at peace uh, chapter four verse six seven and eight it's why he has this peace that passes understanding it's why Paul's able to center his life in the midst of this crazy prison sentence he's facing with an uncertain future and maybe a beheading on the end of it it's why he's able to go. Hey, everything's great. God's got this. All things I can do all things through Christ. He who began the good work is going to complete it in me. For me to live as Christ died. Hey, it's all good. It's why Paul has this incredible contentment. It's because he knows my Father has my needs. He understands my needs. So, verse thirty-three of Matthew six says, "Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things your needs will be added unto you." This is really the point. If you were going to summarize Philippians chapter 4, um, chapter 3 and chapter 4 together, it would be Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom and God's got everything else taken care of. That's what he said in the whole book, by the way. Seek first the kingdom. Put Christ first. Put God's work and God's stuff first in your life. Don't say, well, I'll I'll get to that as soon as I can, God. I've got to to work this out and then I'll put you first. I'll try to get get into my devotional thing as soon as I can figure this part of my day out or this part of my day, then I'll try to get... No, put Him first. Put Him first. And then you... then He's got... Everything else falls into place when you do that. I'd love for you to look at Luke chapter 12 in your New Testament. It's not going to come up on the screen. Luke chapter 12 in your New Testament. I'd love for you to look at this verse. And we're probably going to come back to this. When I do the review of Philippians, probably going to come back to this great verse in Luke chapter 12. But Jesus asked a question... To his disciples. I'll ask you the same question he asked his disciples. So Josh you ready for the question? Here's what Jesus asked him. He says are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Josh are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? You don't know because you don't know anybody to sparrows do you. And if you did, if they sold them for pennies you'd be like well that's not one. It's kind of a weird question isn't it? We don't know. I don't know five sparrows. But Jesus knows the people there know. We sell these little sparrows for nothing. For nothing. Man, they're worth almost nothing. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Wait a minute. So God's keeping up with sparrows that are worth less than a penny? Yes. He's keeping up with them. It actually says if, if one of them falls, He knows Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. It's Harder math for some of y'all, way harder than than for me. But indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. And then then Jesus says these words, Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The little sparrow five sells for two pennies. And he keeps up with them. He says, you're worth way more than that. You're the crown of the cross. He's keeping up with you. He's numbering the hairs on your head. So here's a question for you. In all this promise, in all this promise, how many needs does God promise to supply for you? How many needs does He promise to supply this text? 419 of Philippians. How many? Yeah, a great word, all. Not some, not most. Not almost All feels like that. sometimes. I'm buddy. Lord, you're, you're missing. Hello. Can you catch up with one, Lord? No. He promises to give us all our needs. All our needs. And that's a believe it or not truth. That's a believe it or not moment. You either believe God's got all your needs covered, or you don't. And if you don't, then you're back to chapter 4, verse 6. You're anxious. You're worried. You're taking life on yourself. And, and if you're not careful, you're back to chapter... 2 verse 5 where you're not living selflessly have this attitude in you which was also Christ who laid down everything and gave himself up for us you're not living selflessly you live selfishly you live selfishly if you don't believe God's got you covered but you live lavishly if you believe God's got you covered it's all coming together in your head I hope and by the way all means all all means all. We'd love to take this text and say, well, my God shall supply all your needs. And well, Paul's talking about money because they sent him money. Well, they also sent him a person. They sent him a path You know, They also sent him supplies. They sent him parchment to write on. They sent him, later in prison, they sent him a cloak. He's not talking about just money. We get all lost in the money. Anytime we see money in the Scriptures, us Americans, we get all lost in the money thing. Paul says all means all. Your physical, your financial, your emotional, your relational, your mental, your social needs, your temporal needs, your spiritual needs, and your eternal needs. You don't even know what you need in heaven. You don't know. He does. He's already built it. he got it for you. Right? All of your needs. All of your emotional needs for next week have been met in Christ. All of your emotional needs for next week have been met in Christ. All of them. Not some of them. Not most of them. Not almost all of them. All of them. All of your relational needs. All of your social needs have been met. All of your physical and your financial needs have been met in Christ. Next week, number truth number four: the one who's meeting the needs is abundantly wealthy. God is abundantly wealthy. Now this text says He will give. It says, "My God shall supply all your needs." Here's the word: <laughs> according to, according to His riches, not out of His riches. See, if God was giving you money out of his riches, he would be depleting his riches. You understand how that works? But he's going to do it. The, the Greek word Greek word, brother, is according to. It's according to kata, And it actually means he gives it proportionate to him. If you had a friend that was a multi-millionaire, some of you may have that and just haven't told us yet, but if you had a friend that was a multi-millionaire, like he's worth billions. Let's say he's worth billions. And He knew you had a need. And you go, hey, I heard you had a need. Here's a check for 50 bucks. Would that be according to his riches or out of his riches? That's out of. But if it went, hey, I hear you have a need. Tell me what what it is. Let me see what I can do to supply everything you need. Like I'm going to think through everything. I'm not just going to go, oh, you got you got this little problem here, so I'm going to write a little quick check out of my billionaire. But I'm going to think like a billionaire now. And according to my billionaires-ness, I'm going to give you everything you need. Because I'm doing it out of my billionaires-ness self. So, so. It's not a word about it. But you understand? My God shows up all your needs according to His riches in Glory even your riches in glory. You're supposed to have riches in glory. If you've been a Christian for more than a couple of years, you really ought to have some piled up there. Okay? You've got some riches in glory. But he's not looking at your bank account and going, hey, you know, Miss Helen, she's doing pretty good with her faith life and she's, you know, she ministers in nursing homes and she sings to people and she loves people and she's been a very good servant of our church and she, you know, she's just gracious and kind and she ministers to people in the hospital and she's taking good care of her family. So she's built up these riches in heaven and she needs some help down there. So I want to go to her bank account to write her a couple little checks out of her, her goodness. I'm going to give her some goodness out of her goodness. No. It doesn't come out of your stuff. It, it comes out of his. His riches in heaven. Anybody think he's got a problem with riches in heaven? Anybody think that bank account's ever going to be shallow or short? You think he's ever going to write you a balanced check? You think he's ever going to give you a check you go, hey you can't cash you that right now, you have to wait for a couple of days. And you know, I've got drafting these different little ladies and guys, you know, they have, their money comes in on their on their Social Security or whatever. So there's a date, you know, I get a check and it's like, Hey, don't, don't put that money in there. I don't that. You know, I always, it goes in a different place for me so I don't accidentally deposit. But do you think God's ever going to offer you a supply that goes, Wait, but no, mate, don't, don't put that in you. I, don't have, I don't have it in my account. i got to earn that. He's abundantly, richly supplied all his stuff. Proverbs 19, whoever is generous... To the poor, lends to the Lord, and He, the Lord, will repay Him. 2 Peter 1.10 Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Listen to what it says. And you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Savior. He'll give you a rich welcome. So those are the promises... That's the clear promise from God. And it's real important that you know the context. So here's the context. We're just going to go through this real quick. Philippians had supplied Paul with the support out of their own poverty. Philippians were in a tough place. They finally figured out Paul had a a need. So they sent a guy and some resources and some money to him. And they supplied it out of their poverty. Like Paul talks about in the Corinthian church, the Macedonians did it out of their poverty. They gave out of poverty. God doesn't give to us out of poverty gives out of his riches. See, if I help you, or we help each other all the time, our church does benevolence for each other all the time, we do that. You know, so-and-so's, uh, you know, needs groceries, so we'll, we'll figure out a way to do that. So-and-so needs, you know, help with their power, but we help each other with that, don't we? We do it out of our property, though, none of us are going, hey, I've got billions of dollars set aside for your uh, power needs. If you have a power problem, you know, see Brother Al, he's got a billion dollars to make It's sacrificial for us. But for Christ, it doesn't come out of poverty that He gives to us. He gives to us out of riches. And so Paul's saying, it's an act of faith. When you gave to me, you were acting in faith. And God's going to give back to you from His riches. When you act in faith, like you believe God is the God of all supply. God is the God who is generous. God is personal to me. He knows the sparrows, and He knows me personally, He knows every part of my journey. If I know that He knows that, then I give generously, and He, Paul says, here's the promise, He will give it back. So never limit your giving because of your small income. I'm telling you, we learned that as a family uh, in our earliest days of ministry. Tiny little paychecks from churches and tiny little go-paint-the-neighbor's you know, uh, kitchen to get some money or whatever we were doing. Never limit your giving because of your income, because it's where God blesses us the most. I want you to see this video as we close uh, about George Mueller. And let me just set it up for you. George Mueller was born uh, September 27, 1805. Uh, he was a Christian evangelist. And he was the director of uh, an orphanage called the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England. Very famous town, Bristol, England. Um, over his lifetime, He started with a hundred, he rounded up 130 orphans. By the way, this was in a time in Bristol, England, where homeless children were all over the street sleeping in cardboard boxes everywhere. And the local factories would just collect them up and say, hey, we're going to put you up in this little room, this big room with a whole bunch of other kids with very bad beds and very bad food and very bad conditions. And if you just work in our factory... out of place and you want to be sleeping on the streets and this was the time he lived and it drove him nuts and God literally moved in his heart to say he read the passage in James where it talks about caring for widows and orphans and he said that's got to happen and so he just decided he would start an orphanage started with 130 kids grew to well over a thousand by the time he was done his orphanage buildings itself would house more than 2,000 orphans and over his lifetime he cared for more than 10,000 orphans Um, And brought educational opportunities to them to the point that he was accused by the government of raising the poor standard above its natural status in in, uh, the British life. So the Brits were going, hey, those poor kids aren't poor anymore. What's wrong with that? Something's wrong with our picture. But he established 117 schools which offered Christian education to more than 120,000 kids. So watch this little story about him. It takes just about four minutes for it to play. The story of his prayer life is phenomenal, very humbling, um, because he lived his life out just like you saw, day by day, trusting God to provide whatever he needed. And God did that. So let me give you the takeouts for this morning. Number one, you should write out the four truths that we've looked at today and personalize them. Uh, take, take a moment and, and figure out how each one of these truths is personal to you. Number two, You you can write a story with each one of these points. I've been working through that this week myself, looking at each one of these points and saying, "How is God generous to me?" Um, And look at each point and make a make a story to go with each one. Several stories to go with each one. It'll help you see the hand of God. The whole point is to see the provision of God, so you're content. Number three, you should memorize Philippians 4:19 in some translation like you like. And I'm going to give you a bonus one in just a minute. But before we do that, let me tell you what the whole deal is. If you believe this promise, the promise is God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. He will supply all your needs. If you believe that, you can live generously. You can share your blessings. You can help others without fear of being without. So you can extend yourself. You can sacrificially give as the uh, New Testament explains how we're to give sacrificially. You can live... Without anxiety, because Philippians chapter 4, Paul says you can be anxious for nothing and trust God on this. You can live with peace. You can be satisfied and be content and have peace that passes understanding in a culture that's missing all of that. You know, our culture today is missing every bit of that peace, contentment, joy, satisfaction. All that's missing from our culture, which means you can live as a witness, which is what Paul does in this book. And to back to the Philippians, he writes a letter and says, hey, I'm content. I'm in jail. I'm chained to a guy. Don't know my future, but I'm content. And he's testifying of how he trusts God with every moment of his life. So you can live as a witness to the reality of Jesus' peace and grace and love. I just want to encourage you to be that witness. To to we, we need more Christians who live content in this world, not drawn into the things of this world, not trying to gather up a whole bunch more and fearing what we have or don't have or will have or can't have, but people who go, Lord, we're just satisfied. You have abundantly blessed us and we're satisfied. Now, when Paul's in prison, do you think they're feeding Paul steak every day in prison? you think the prison meals are steak? Baked potato? Big salad? I'm hungry and I'm starving actually right now. you think, you think he's getting some big, beautiful, you know, roast beef? You know, they bring big carved roast beef in for him? Something like that? Nope. He's having prison food. He's been eating two years of prison food. And he's going, I'm content. I'm content. Right? So it's very important that you see we can do that. So number four, and you can just sort of a bonus take home. Highly recommend this for you, though. All right, go ahead and put that one up, Josh. Number four, step out in faith this week and help somebody. Look for some way you can sacrifice yourself for somebody. Yourself. It, it might be somebody that you know that needs some financial help, but it might be somebody that just needs physical help. It might be somebody that just needs you to go say, I'm going to spend time with this person to support them, to help them, to care for them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to go out of my way and be generous with something the Lord's given me, time uh, and, and encouragement. I'm going to be generous with that and see what God does in return. I promise you, you cannot give God enough, right." So in any of your resources, find a way to step out this week and help somebody and just watch what God does to bless us. Amen? Amen.